Hey everybody, this is Matt and Nicole. On this episode of After the Kid Goes Down, we're going to watch Bride of Frankenstein. Let's go! We are into October, it's which means it is time lineup. for spooky season. Yay. <laughs> I love that you just called it spooky season. I mean, that's what it is, isn't it? It is. So what do you know about Bride of Frankenstein? Uh, it, so this one's on the anti, uh, anti-AFI list. It's one of two on the Movies list. Movies total? No, like oh. two, sorry, two like... <laughs> God, context. Um, one of two like Halloweeny movies, so Wee. we'll have one for next weenie. We'll have one for next season too. But uh, yeah, anti-AFI. It's black and white, and it has Elsa Lancaster in it. Who or Lanchester? I think it's Lancaster. Um, who plays Katie Nana in Mary Poppins, which is a movie that I've seen about a billion times. So stop it. Why would you do that to Mary Poppins? We've had this discussion numerous times. Off air, not on air. I think Mary Poppins is a very silly movie. <gasps> you take that back. I mean, it's just not... It's silly. Uh, I don't know. I think it's... I don't know. I, don't, I guess I, le- I enjoy it, Mary Poppins. I understand it. I don't understand the passionate love some people have for it. It's like weird and it's random and like... There's themes in it that they like just like briefly touch, and it's just it's it's bizarre to me. Okay, fine. Anyway, it's one of my favorite movies ever. It's cool. Uh, yep. Um. So is this a direct sequel to the original Frankenstein? I have no idea. I think it is. I feel like it seems like it's sillier, but we'll see. I'd be interested to know why it's on the anti-AFI list. Because it's a pretty mainstream movie with a pretty iconic character. You know, like a Bride of Frankenstein you see parodied like all the time with the tall black hair and everything. I mean, your parents, when we were talking about the fact that we were going to watch it earlier, they were like getting into like who played what Frankenstein yeah. in which movie. And is it the same actor in both this and Frankenstein? Yeah. I mean, well, there was a whole era of Universal Pictures that was just monster movies, right? This, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula... Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. There were all these... This whole era in Hollywood was, mm-hmm. I think, for people my parents' age, that is to say in their 60s, 70s, it's like, you know, what they grew up watching is when they were kids. So we, you and I have talked about before, the golden age of Hollywood and how we haven't seen a lot of those films. And this this would be I w- one of the films that took place in that era, right? When did this come out? I don't know. 1935. Okay. I'm excited. I don't think I've... I think the only original monster film I've seen is Wolfman. I don't think I've ever seen the original Frankenstein. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I've never seen the original Dracula. That I've not seen. Um, I've seen Creature from the Black Lagoon. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's short. An hour, 15 minutes. So it's like even less than a cool 90. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm, uh, I'm anticipating it not being scary at all. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of like, I feel like it's going to kind of be a little cozy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember as a kid watching Wolfman, the Wolfman, and 
being bizarrely depressed at the end of the film. Like it, I remember that movie having a very gloomy like tone and mood to it. Mm. But I don't remember being scared. So, well, um, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm a huge Young Frankenstein fan. So that has nothing to do with this at all. No, but again, there's references. So yeah. I'm anticipating we see a lot of things in this that will be like, oh, that's where that's from. Yeah. You know what I mean? All right. You want to watch it? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay, bye. Bride of Frankenstein, released in 1935, currently available to rent on Apple TV. Directed by James Whale. Written by John L. Bartleson, Mary Shelley, R.C. Sheriff, Philip McDonald, and Edmund Pearson. Starring Boris Karloff, Colin Clive, Valerie Hobson, Elsa Lanchester, Ernest the Seeger, and E.E. E. Clive. After recovering from injuries sustained in the mob attack upon himself and his creation, Dr. Frankenstein falls under the control of his former mentor, Dr. Pretorius, who insists the now chastened doctor resume his experiments in creating new life. Meanwhile, the monster remains on the run from those who wish to destroy him without understanding what his intentions are. Alright, so we have finished The Bride of Frankenstein. What'd you think? I just... I have a couple things that I want to talk about, but I just looked back up at the screen because we we always pause and just, like, leave it up. And the top of it, so, like, it's from 1935, right? So you get the full, like, cast listing. You get the playbill before the film. Yeah, the the credit right now says a good cast is worth repeating. Yeah, and it repeats the cast. That's really adorable. (laughs) So adorable right now. Um, Is there more wine, by the way, or no? There's no more wine. Okay. We're hopefully, drinking wine, by the way. Hopefully, I'm a little bit more fun than the expectations, because... We're a bottle of wine deep. I Yes, and I haven't had anything to drink or nom 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 in uh, two weeks, so... Mm. Oh, wow. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I found it very enjoyable. It was, like, cute and funny, um, like, iconic in some ways. Yep. It's always cool to watch a film, an iconic film made because, like, especially in these horror films, because the the dramatic lighting and the and the and the, the and lighting the, was so cool. Yeah, and the, throughout and the, the dramatic close ups, and um, it's cool to see it done in context and not like ironically or in a parody. So, I mean, it it was it yeah, I would say it was fun. It was it was um, not scary at all. I guess maybe slightly thrilling. Um, apparently, but I think I don't think it was supposed to be scary. No, well, apparently the director Whale um, is his name, right? Yes, James Whale um, had to be essentially like really talked into making the film because he felt he says, "quote He felt like he." I'm not quoting now. I want to make sure I get the quote right. He had quote squeezed the idea dry in the first film and didn't feel like there was much more story to tell. And eventually he caved and, and said, I'll direct Bride of Frankenstein, and I'm going to make it a, quote, hoot to watch. So um, <laughs> It is a hoot. It. It's a hoot. <laughs> yeah. It's a total yeah. hoot. Review done. That's it. It's yeah. It's, it's fun. It's interesting. Um, what'd you like? Did you not like something? I mean, what'd you... What'd you 
What do you think of Boris Karloff, who cracks me up? Then in the credits, in the credits, is just credited as Karloff. Like well, this name. movie is like Bride of Frankenstein, and then his name is like equally as large as yeah. the title, and it just says Karloff on the bottom. Um, I mean, he was good. I mean, he's Frankenstein. Yeah, he is Frankenstein. Yep. So it's like, um. It's a little cheesy that he talks in this one, but it also, like, works. Well, it's funny you say that, because Karloff was a very opposed to him speaking. Like, I guess originally, you know, he has said, quote, speech, stupid. My argument was that if the monster had any impact or charm, it was because he was inarticulate. This great, lumbering, inarticulate creature, the moment he spoke, you might as well dot 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 play it straight so he obviously didn't like the fact that he spoke um because he had to speak they had to remove some of his makeup so in the first film he looks a little more gaunt in this film he's more full but uh obviously he ended up doing it and i think it kind of worked i mean it was cheesy but it kind of worked uh i guess they were basing his mental state off of a 10 year old his emotional state off of like a 15 year old was kind of the train of thought but yeah, I mean, it. It. it I think to me, the talking kind of worked. They did. He did a good job with it. Like, it's funny that like you feel like it's a, such a simple role to play. But like, a when you read Carlo like quotes like that, like he clearly puts a lot of thought into how the character is represented, and like it reminds me kind of like. People might hate me for saying this, but like Schwarzenegger's version of the Terminator, there's like something to a stoic presence, and like you have to do a lot without doing a lot. I mean, there's you know what I mean? Yeah, there there's a reason why almost 100 years later, his portrayal is the portrayal is still like enjoyed generation after generation, like. Even the grunting's like a kind of uh, like yeah <laughs> yeah you know yeah. it's incredible. Um, I did like because I'm pretty sure I've seen the first movie, the original Frankenstein. Um, but I've seen Young Frankenstein, like I said, like a thousand about times. a billion times. Yeah. So I can't remember. I I cannot at all remember if there are certain characters that are repeated in this. But I did enjoy like the what was spoofed. Mm-hmm. Like the blind, the blind man, man, the whole yeah. blind man scene. I was like, I've seen this before. Did, what, did, can we talk about that scene for a minute? Like, sure. It's kind of a touching scene. Yeah, because it's it, the first person that treats him like a person. Yeah, and because he can't see him, and I think there it essentially sets up the rest of the film. Like Frank, the Frank, the monster learns that like very quickly and everything in this film was done quickly right there's not a lot of hour and 15 minutes you kind of just have to believe that okay he's learned it in like five minutes but he learns in that scene what a friend is enjoying somebody's company and that sparks him to want a bride right later on in the film like two scenes later so it, it it accomplishes a lot and for a film that moves quickly we spend a good chunk of time in that cabin with the blind man and the monster well, because, I mean, it's after that, right, that he says his, like, super poignant, uh, dead good, living bad. <laughs> yes. So, like, 
you can tell that like he just wanted to be at rest. Yes. Like he didn't ask to be brought back to life to have this new brain put in a new body. Like he's like, I didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask for everybody to hate me and shun me. I just Mm -hmm. want some food. I just want some people to be nice to me and stop shoving fire in my face. Um, And this blind man is the first person that does it. Well, and you know what's interesting, and I was thinking about this during the film, he's sympathetic, but also simultaneously a killing machine. Like, the first time we see him in this film, he, he awakens from the burning ash of this mill, and he drowns a man. And then he goes up to the top and he just chucks this lady down a well. But then there's times where, like, there's other deaths while he's out and running amok that, like, the townsfolk just attribute to him, but you don't see him commit the, the killing. And there's, there's a part of me that wants to wonder, like, is that... Is, uh, how many of these killings are just coincidences? You know what I mean? Yeah. That they're just blaming on the monster? You know, yeah. like, there's a little bit of... Is that all a wink, wink, nod, nod to certain cultural things that we do? You know, where we just blame things on, on, on people that, quote, quote, it makes sense for? Mm-hmm. Um, right, like all of a sudden there's a dead girl, like, who's bloody in a, you know, they're like, where's Edith? Oh, my God, there's Edith, and she's dead. And, like, at no point did the monster go anywhere near a child. Like, like you know, it's not like he walked by her and we cut to the dead body. Like, there yeah. are things like that that were kind of... Maybe, but Either I mean, just he's sloppy also, filmmaking, or or the filmmakers didn't think it was important to show that. I don't know. He's also, if if we're saying he's mentally ten, mm-hmm. emotionally fifteen. I mean, yes. that's an impulsive creature in a large body. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Um. Little Lenny going on there a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. From a mice and men. Yeah. Lenny. The, back to the the cabin, like when the old man starts crying on his chest, and then like. The monster puts his arm on the man, like a tear rolls down his cheek. I was like, "Oh, this is like yeah. kind of a nice little moment." And then, and then the slow fade of the Jesus cross above them. There's a lot of religious overtone here. Well, yeah, I mean, so it starts with Lord Byron, Mary mm-hmm. Wollstonecraft Shelley, yes, and, telling the story, right? And who's her husband? Who's Shelley? I don't even know. Uh, He's faded, and I should know because I'm a friggin' English lit, nerd. lit major, yeah. Her husband, Shelley. Well, that's the story. Mr. About, Shelley. Yeah, that's the story. That's really how the original novel was written, right? They used to, that was always a legend, was that Mary Shelley and her her author husband and other intellectuals were, like, telling horror stories around a camp, around a fire, and she came up with a story and then wrote it down. So that's how this movie opens, right? Yeah. So it, it starts with Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley saying that the point of her novel is that, like, man can't be God. Yep. Like, if you're going to try and mess with like the the laws of nature you're gonna eat it you're gonna eat crow yes that's clearly a point of this film yeah i felt like well i don't think it's the point of the film i just think it's a theme an overarching theme yeah because there's a lot of god references the devil there's a lot of you know like that sequence in the cabinet ends with the whole scene fades but the the crucifix lingers for a couple seconds and then like when he's in the graveyard there's the crucifix over the grave that like again it's a center it's a centerpiece that shot when he's strung up in the pole it's clearly a crucifix type of posi- position mm-hmm. you know there's all these there's a motif of of Christ motif right there's uh, definitely a Christ motif yeah. yeah um yeah i'm like most interested in any history that Ari has pulled up 
Well, what do you got? What do you got? <laughs> so supposedly, um, you know, there was a lot of censor- censorship because of a lot of the God stuff, and they cut some stuff out. And supposedly, there was a there was a sequence in which, when he's stumbling through the graveyard, he tries to rescue Jesus from one of the crosses, and they Weird. cut that. Yeah. Weird. Um, but like Petroius is supposed to be a coded homosexual. And there's a of supposed course. To be, and there's supposed to be a relationship between allegedly him and Dr. Frankenstein. Well, well okay, like, so, so James Whale, the director, was an open gay man. Openly gay openly in 1935. Gay. Openly gay. And some of the actors in the cast, including Ernest Thesiger, who plays Petrus, were uh, rumored to be gay. And Colin Clive, who plays Frankenstein, was, was um, gay or bisexual. Again, allegedly. But Whale's biographer set, rejects the notion that Whale would have identified the monster from a homosexual point of view. But there might have been homosexual overtones in other parts. Like how, how campy the film is, I guess, is, is a bit, is a nod to a homosexual culture. Well, it's interesting and if, if they're saying that, what's it? Per- Petroius embodies the, embodies his because relationship with Henry is supposed to be a, a, a coded homosexual because type of Because if he's coded homosexual, the whole film is all about how he's essentially the dark side. Black magic devil. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, pretty typical. So yeah. it's surprising that, like, uh, that it's a gay man who directed that. An openly gay man. Unless it's this <laughs> openly self-loathing gay man. Or he just wanted to make a gay person the villain. Yeah, but it's not... All right, fine. <laughs> I mean, but it's it's more than that, though. Probably. I mean, it's not. Again, I don't think I don't think it's the point of the movie. But there, are, according to modern film critics, there are those overtones in it. And I guess according to the article that Ari cites, there were some people that believe that the monster is representative of of, of what being a homosexual is like. But Whale's biographer is just saying that, like, Whale wouldn't have done that. that. Like, that's not something... He wouldn't have gone there with it. There might have been other elements in the film, yeah, but maybe not the monster. It doesn't seem that deep on that. I mean, he's lonely, for sure. Well, he has, but And it, I don't know whether or not... It doesn't necessarily seem like he would care if it's a wife or a companion, you know... Be, the blind man was his companion for a minute, and he's hoping to have this other person, a woman. He even says, he just says friend. Friend, when Petraeus yeah. first says, like, we're going to make someone for you, and he says, even better, a woman. And I don't think it makes a difference to the monster. Yeah, he wants a companion. Um, he just wants a companion, and then to have her be as afraid of him as everyone else is well, a bummer. And I think it's interesting that he looks at Frankenstein and his wife at the end and is like, go, you deserve to live, we should be dead. Like, that's how the film ends, right? Yeah. Like, you go be happy, like, I shouldn't this, exist. This guy is evil, I don't even want to be alive, this was my last shot and she fucking hates me. She hissed so. at me. <sighs> yeah. <Right. laughs> um, can we talk about the fact that she's in this film for three minutes and she's yeah. so iconic? Yeah. Like, what about... What do you think about her, bo- like, body acting? Because she doesn't really, she doesn't say anything. She screams a couple times and she hisses. Mm-hmm. But mostly she's got these, like, beautiful wide eyes and she's just sort of jerky. She like, kind of twitches like a bird almost. Yeah. 
What do you think? What about her hair portrait? <laughs> her hair. Her That's hair. what makes her. <laughs> yeah, because when you when you see her all mummified, and all of a sudden it cuts to them like unmummifying her, and she suddenly has this huge weird fro with like a streak of silver in it that just that's looks it? it looks iconic and the whole just movie, the just the makeup and costuming i think the makeup i think the costuming i think i think there's a little mystique there because even the credits in the in the credits it says bride of frankenstein that that, that question mark like, it doesn't credit anybody as it so like yeah i think it's just a mystique to it the whole like you said the whole film is called bride of frankenstein but there's only a bride at the end and they end up not being his bride yeah. Right. It. It. She. They. They create life, and obviously, they can't just create love. And yeah, I can't force love. And Frank and the monster is like, "Fuck this! I'm out!" and blows up the castle. Like, um, I think her look. It's her look. I mean, even his look is iconic. You know, the Frankenstein monster like is. Yeah. I think that's all it is. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, I buy it's it. not like you know she does anything crazy on screen. She literally screams and hisses. I think my only problem with the film, and this is like super nitpicky, is that it begins with the three literary authors, but it doesn't end with them. Yeah, which is weird. Like I feel like it should because she like sits down and she's like, "Oh, it's a stormy night. Let me tell the second half of my Frankenstein story," and the the. Byron and Shelley sit next to her and they're like, ooh. And she begins it and then I feel like it should cut back it to should, that moment yeah. in the room and how like It some should go kind back of, full circle. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of reaction from them. Yeah. Especially because it would have Otherwise, been Otherwise why do that? Yeah. And it would have been really nice like a really nice grounding moment mm-hmm. to like nineteen thirty five. To like how like, how would these two actually have reacted to her in this story? Like, yeah. but they just don't do it. Nope. It's purely just set up. Which is upsetting. But that's really my only... That's my only problem. Yeah. Anything else Co- that's cool? Yeah. Connection. So we've been watching a lot of Scorsese this season. Yes, we have. So in 1991, they were going to remake this film for cable television... And guess who was supposed to direct it? Are you kidding? Yes, get Martin Scorsese. Yes. Get out of here. Does he just have his fingers in like everything yes. so that no matter what we watch, his name comes up? Martin Scorsese expressed interest in directing the 1991 remake for cable television. I love him. I mean, Roger Ebert cons- considers it. Uh, it's on his great movie list. It's got a 98 critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, it's, it's... I mean, there were moments I like laughed... It was good. It was good. It was in I, uh, clearly Whale was intentionally campy with it. He nailed that. I don't remember the name of the maid. May, I think. The but crazy she was, gypsy old maid. Yeah, but she's clearly Frau Bucher, right? Like yes. that is who that's supposed to be. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't 100%. know remember if she's in the original, but oh my god, like everything. The friggin' head Pete, like mm-hmm. every like the costuming was the same, like Young Frankenstein yeah. did a good yeah, job, and I'm only, it. I mean, I loved that as a kid, but I don't think I realized, like, just how good a job he was doing with that. You can't, unless you've seen the source material. How about there's just a lever in the castle that blows up the castle, by the way? Well, everything's supercharged. <laughs> <laughs> so there's lightning. one level, I don't know. <laughs> 
There was just a lightning storm. It makes sense to me. No, and like that's the beauty of this film is like it doesn't have to make sense. It's like you could watch this on Halloween night with a bowl of popcorn and have a good time, right? Like, but it's also just like how many other like like Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's like a fucking lever that like makes Rocky. Yeah, you know, so much borrows from like these this original concept. How about <laughs> I enjoyed that? Like they're like go get us a fresh heart from the accident hospital. <laughs> They need a heart to bring this woman alive. And they kept going, yeah, go get it at the accident hospital. Wink, like, wink. Patronus is like winking at the at the creepy guy. And, and Henry Frankenstein's like, what? <laughs> then he goes and just murders some poor lady in an alley. And is like, where'd you get it from? And he's like, I murdered, I mean, the accident hospital. <laughs> like, I would have loved for him to return like two minutes later and be like, look at the clock. Like, how, you were just, you just left. Oh, other side note. Apparently, because I kept thinking this whole time. I'm like, man, the guy that plays Henry Frankenstein has a great crazed look to him, especially with his hair like dangling in his forehead. Apparently, his alcohol—he was a severe alcoholic—and his alcoholism was so bad they almost didn't have him back. But Whale, the director, was like, "No, that kind of works." <laughs> so like, they hired him anyway because the manic state he's in like is perfect for the role. Can we see? more movies directed by whale because like i feel like i like i feel like he speaks to my soul he did the invisible man the original invisible man let's see what else he did because i was thinking he did the original frankenstein brighter frankenstein the invisible man um the man in the iron mask a lot of classic hollywood films like let's see all of those i was also thinking i thinking I'd like to see ingrid bergman bergman's films too let's do it I mean, next season is already set, what we're doing. We can always watch movies, like, on our, in, in our, our free time. time. <laughs> hey, we don't have any... <laughs> yeah, any of that. We started the season, like, so far ahead. Mm-hmm. We were, like, months ahead. And now we're, like, a week or two ahead. Because yeah. in the winter, life gets much easier to watch movies. Because you're stuck inside a lot in upstate New York. In the summertime, we, like, do things. So, what do you want to give it? How many stars? I might have four stars. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I might ha- even go four and a half. Yeah, it's hard to find a fault in, in it, again, for what it is. Like a classic, campy, iconic horror film. I'm going to go four and a half for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. Four and a half. Nice job, James Whale. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Please take a minute and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating there. This helps us out. This helps us out a lot in becoming uh, real film critics. Every subscription, every rating, all goes towards our Rotten Tomatoes application. So please help us out. You can find us on Twitter at Kid Goes Down Pod or Instagram at After the Kid Goes Down, and we're both on Letterboxd under Nicole underscore ATKGD and Matt underscore ATKGD. We post everything we review there and a bunch of other movie lists. After the Kid Goes Down is brought to you by Matt and Nicole, researched by Ariana Gracia, music and editing by Kate Falconer, produced by Matt Robinson and Nicole Robinson, associate producer Kate Falconer.